Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Spurs Cast, episode 636. My name is Paul Garcia and I am your host here on the Spurs Cast. Today I'll be joined by Project Spurs writer John Diaz. In this episode, John and I will discuss the Spurs' play in their last four games, Jakob Pertl being out due to health and safety protocols, and the Spurs and how the Spurs are doing in clutch situations. Let's go ahead and jump right into this episode with John. John, how have you been? It's been so long. It is so refreshing to hear your voice and be back on this first cast, man. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I was going to say, man, it's been a while. I, I know, but it was cool to hear because I know you still record with the uh, over the Austin Spurs team. So it's just, you know, yeah, I definitely get updates on you uh, in terms of your voice and stuff <laughs> in, in those in those formats whenever the, the Austin Spurs are playing. But yeah, man, I'm glad to have you back on. Um, you know, it, it's not that we we're it's not that we we're purposely keeping John away from the Spurs cast. We we did just some scheduling issues last <laughs> season where it didn't work out for both of us to figure that out. But yeah, we're definitely gonna have John on a lot more this season's Spurs cast listeners. So, so here we go, John. Let's jump right into this episode. Uh, let's begin first with the latest games and team update uh, on this team. Um, you know, since I last recorded a week ago with Michael DeLeon, you and I, I want to know, are recording this on a Thursday evening. Um, so the Spurs have gone one and three since I last recorded the Spurs cast episode. Let's, let's jump back to a week ago on, on a Thursday. The Spurs are in Dallas on the road. They lose by five to the Mavericks. Uh, Dallas was favored by six and a half in this game. This was a bad loss for the Spurs because of the lead that they built. They came out, with, they, they came out blazing with a 20-point lead early on. On. Then they fell behind by 11, and then it got close there, and, and Jalen Brunson and, and Luka kind of had, had, had a lot to do with that, and uh, Dallas ends up pulling out the win. Then we go to Saturday. The Spurs go are still on the road. They go to Milwaukee, and they win by nine points. This is probably their best win of the season. They defeat the defending champions in their home building. Uh, Milwaukee was favored by seven on this night, so I know that they were missing Drew Holiday, but again, in, in terms of, in terms of Vegas' opinion, they thought that Mil- Milwaukee should still get a comfortable win. The Spurs um, did build a 10-point lead in this game. Then on Monday, the Spurs travel to Indiana. This is their worst game of the season so far. They, they lose uh, by 13 on paper, but we know that it was a blowout. They fell behind by as many as 26 points. It's, it's officially their first you know, blowout uh, a loss of the season for them. Uh, so, so this one, you know, Miles Turner and uh, uh, Sabonis really just took advantage of their smaller lineups, especially how, how they pulled away Pirtle from the rim. And the Spurs had no answers for Indiana on that night. And plus, Andy, Indiana shot very well from three. And then lastly, the most recent game was another loss for the Spurs, this time at home in, against the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, um, they lost by one point. This one went down to, to, to the crunch time. Uh, Dallas was favored by two. They were they were on the second out of a back-to-back. They were missing Porzingis um, and, and Maxi Kleber. Um, the, the Mavs led by 12 in the first half. Then the Spurs came back and led by 10 by the third quarter. 
But then it was just too much Jalen Brunson down the stretch. The Spurs went small ball with Jakob Pertl out, and uh, they purposely Dallas Doncic and, and Brunson purposely tried to get uh, Doug McDermott a lot of um, one, and a lot of one five pick and rolls to try to pull him, make him the, the main defender. Um, so, so John, what are some of your thoughts on some of these games and, and the Spurs being one in three in the last four games? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of stuff about moral victories going on, especially with Spurs Twitter. You know, they're playing these really good teams really closely. Uh, aside from that Indiana game where it just kind of felt like they slept walked through. Um, but you can see there, there's a lot of deficiencies with this roster, and the young guys still have a lot of developing and growing to do. Uh, you would hope that, that growing kind of happens throughout the season, and they would at least pull some of these out because the problem with losing so many of them early is that you're going to dig yourself into such a hole, especially already at two and six, where you know you're not going to win all these going down the stretch or later in the season. Especially some uh, once it gets closer to you know teams fighting for seeding, home court advantage, and stuff like that, you're going to start getting teams at full strength, uh, you know, full playbooks and stuff like that. And these are kind of games that like the Dallas game at home is one they really needed to have, and you can't mm-hmm. just get dominated by Boban Marjanovic. Like, th- oh, yeah. that's stuff that shouldn't be happening. And, you know, some of the stuff comes down to roster construction, I'll say. Uh, you can kind of tell San Antonio is not a good rebounding team. And they've, they've only won the rebounding battle twice this year. I guess I think it was the Lakers in the first Dallas game on the road. And they mm-hmm. lost both of those. It, it, and that's something that, you know, they need some kind of crutch to rely on. And now that Jakob is, you know, going through his health and safety protocols... Now you've lost your leading rebounder. Like, your second leading rebounder is DeJounte Murray. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that's just a really big hole, a big glaring weakness for the Spurs. And you know, there's a little bit of a distraction, I guess you would say, with the Thaddeus Young stuff going on, too, why he's not getting more minutes, why he's not a little bit more part of the rotation that we thought he would be, especially with how we heard the guys were saying, hey, he helps us communicate. He helps us kind of know where we're supposed to be on offense and defense. And that's that same theme from last year where these guys – are getting lost in half court. Mm-hmm. It, you know, there, there was a play in, against Dallas where I believe it was Dwight Powell is already being picked up by Keldon Johnson, and he's in the paint. And for some reason, DeJounte Murray picks him up too, and they just leave the corner wide open for a three. And that, that's stuff that shouldn't be happening after so many years, especially from DJ. Mm-hmm. DJ's you know, a cerebral defender. That shouldn't be the case. These, and no one, neither one of them looked at each other or said anything like, hey, go you know, flare out, go get the guy help us out like a lot of this stuff that that's kind of those mental lapses is just killing this team and the milwaukee win we can put a little asterisk behind that that team's not at full strength anyway yeah mm-hmm. and so that you're kind of just staring down this just this team that hasn't really shown you any kind of improvement from last year uh losing demar as as that primary guy in crunch time i know we're gonna get to crunch time numbers and stuff later kind of hurts dj's at least taking mm-hmm. that role a little bit so that's good but the regression on the shooting is something that is really bothersome for me. And the lack of a consistent, outside of DJ, the lack of like a consistent second dude that's, you know, not Jakob is, let's be yeah. honest, you know, Jakob is a, is a center. He's a modern, he's not a modern day center either. He's not a stretch center by any means. He's at least developed as a playmaker, but he can't be your number two. So I, I'm kind of curious as to, you know, where they see that they're going to improve, where they're going to kind of go forward. But it, it's just hard, man. It's it's really hard to pinpoint where this team is at. 
Yeah, no, you're you're right. I mean, and and that's the thing is with them being in all these close games. I mean, just imagine had they won, you know, they, we could be having a different conversation. But still, I mean, those those underlying issues are going to be there. Uh, and so, kind of what you just said there, John, you summed it up perfectly. There's just been a, a similar thing where the Spurs are in these games; they're very close, except for that Indiana game. But then they just cannot pull it out there in, in crunch time. Uh, so they are two and six on the season through their first eight games. Uh, like we both noted, um, Jacoperto is um, in health and safety protocols, so he is expected to miss a few games. And and one thing we already saw in that first game without him against Dallas is. Kind Kind of what John just said, you know, Boban Marjanovic was just, you know, he was a terror for the Spurs. He had 17 points with, I think, 14 in the paint. Uh, and, you know, Dallas got the most offensive rebounds for, for an opponent, for a Spurs opponent already to start the, the year with, with Yaka missing one game. And Dallas themselves, who, who don't score a lot of points in the paint, they actually had a huge increase in their scoring from the paint uh, with just one game without Pirtle. So I think that's going to be a bad sign for the Spurs' interior defense and rebounding, kind of something that John just mentioned there. And then Doug McDermott was out for three games, um, uh, and then he finally returned in that in that game uh, against Dallas with the, with the right knee injury uh, for McDermott. So, John, now this is kind of something I talked with Mike about last week. And again, the sample size is still very, very small. Last week, it was only four games. Now we have eight games of data. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go through some of the top tens on offense and defense for the Spurs and then also some of the bottom tens. And you can kind of just tell me if you think, uh, you know, not every single one, but which one do you think is going to end up falling where it's kind of just early sample size and it's and it's going to eventually regress. So right now, let's first start on offense. The Spurs are 17th, as you and I record this on Thursday evening, scoring 1.064 points per possession. Um, where where are, they, where are they top 10? Fast break scoring, still for, they're first in the league. Turnover percentage, 10th. Pace, 5th. Assist percentage, 4th. Um, the non-restricted area shot, which is like that floater type range in the paint, they're first in, in field goal attempts there. They're also first in, 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 um, in accuracy from that area. They are also first in points in the paint scoring. And there are they're, they're sixth in mid range field goal attempts. So again, you don't have to go into detail about each one of these, these areas, but which one do you think is, is going to fall eventually? Definitely the floater range. You, okay. A lot of these shots are, are kind of mm-hmm. block. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I would hope that at least gets balanced out by some of the three-point percentages. Uh, specifically, like you can pinpoint Lonnie Walker, uh, one of the worst three-point shooters on the team right now, outside of Keldon Johnson. You would hope that's not going to stay the case going forward. But yeah, number being first in floater range is not something you ever want to be. That's not <laughs> no, something no. you should strive for. Yeah, no, that's yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you know, that's that. It's just, it just sums up the offense perfectly. Like they're first in a category that no one in modern day basketball gives a crap about, and, and that that's not a way to win games. That's not a recipe for success. So that that's definitely going to fall. But at least the fast break scoring, you know, they've they've been really good with transition defense and mm-hmm. trying to get on breaks and turn the ball, get you know, force turnovers and stuff. That's at least good. But the floater stuff has to stop eventually, especially Jakob. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. So that's why I'm really skeptical on that whole, you know, I know they're they're first in points in the paint scoring, but they're not, you know, getting close to the rim. They're not getting those best shots, those restricted area shots, those shots right at the rim. They're, they're, you know, they're they're within like the 11 to like 20 range. So again, the the fact is that a lot of this paint scoring is coming a lot of times from these these shots that are very inefficient shots that right now, yes, they're making like 49% of them, but no team's going to be able to do that for a whole season. Even the best team, whoever the best team is eventually down the road here, no one's going to shoot that high of a percentage. So I think that you're right, you know, those floaters from like Keldon, from Jakob, um, from a few other players like Vassell, from, from Murray, they're going to eventually stop falling. And then, you know, where is their, their scoring going to come from outside of being on the break and, you know, in those in those very quick paced um, situations. Um, and then uh, where are they bottom 10 right now in free throw? I mean, in, um, on offense, they're they are still um, 28th now in free throw rate. They're just not getting to the free throw line um, in any of these players at a consistent, um, you know, at a high rate. Uh, three point attempts are still down. They're 28th uh, in the league right now. And then also generating wide open threes, they're, they're 22nd. So they're just not getting wide open threes. 
injuries as a team. Um, do, you, do you have any comments on, on either any of those three stats? Yeah, free throw rate's going to stay low, especially when these guys are chunking up floaters instead of going a little further and trying to you know, draw mm-hmm. more contact. I don't even know if I want them drawing more contact because the free throw numbers have been abysmal, especially down the stretch of that Lakers game where they missed mm-hmm. six straight. Uh, the wide open threes, I, I would kind of hope you know Doug McDermott missing a few games is a factor there, but the, the truth is that Doug can't be your only stretch guy. Like Bryn Forbes isn't, it, Bryn Forbes isn't at that point where we're in worst case scenario seeing him play a lot of minutes and chunking up a lot of shots like a couple years ago, and it, they, they just don't have that kind of floor spacing, it seems like, to even generate these open looks, and when they do get them, you've got someone like Keldon who's got a defender seven feet away, and his instinct is... I can't hit this shot, or the defender knows he can't hit that shot, and he's going to go try to draw contact instead, which kind of just leads to that kind of backwards basketball where these guys start running around a little bit like chickens with their head cut off and no real purpose and trying to do something substantial. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you there. And, and we're going to, you know, when we get actual, the actual numbers with Kelton and that, and that, that wide open three, he's really, really struggling there. And yeah. I think that's that's going to complicate the offense, which is something Dallas did in that first game with Maxi Kleber. Now let's go to defense. Um, you know, for, for for a minute there, for one game, they were actually 10th in, on, in the league, but then they had that Indiana game come back, and then, whew, it just sent them right back to, like, 17th or 18th. So they are, as, a, as you and I record this, they are 14th on 1.064 points per possession on defense. Uh, where are they top 10? Um, they're, they're not putting opponents on the free throw line. They're 6th there in free throw opponent free throw rate uh they're doing a good job of transition defense um they're seventh in, in opponent fast break scoring uh they're they're, they're uh, like you mentioned john they're very aggressive they're, they're making teams turn over the ball so they're sixth best in, in forcing teams to turn over the ball uh they're they're eighth in steals and then they're also fifth in points off turnovers um do you, what are your comments on, on any of these um these stats yeah that, that's kind of par for the course of what you would kind of hope with this team especially mm-hmm. stopping the fast breaks you know these guys can't really sell out on the offensive end uh Jakob's pretty much the only one that can kind of actually stay on the offensive end and half of his boards are from the offensive end so you know you kind of just hope you hope you get a good shot and just run back because that's the only way they're going to really be able to stop teams it, the problem is just more offensively on that end of the ball but yeah, at least at least those numbers are good, and you would kind of hope that they kind of maybe improve a little bit more, especially, uh, you know, there's defensive concerns. Like, we don't fully know how Keldon is on defense. Lonnie's always been a question mark on defense. But DJ and Derek being able to, you know, everything that we kind of hoped for when they would start playing together, we've, we've gotten, and as long as these guys can stay healthy, the defense will keep them in games, and you just hope that they figure out the other end. The NBA is back, and at DraftKings Sportsbook, an authorized sports betting partner of the NBA, the key to victory is a strong starting five. New customers can bet just $5 on any NBA team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. So why not make your roster Washington, 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 and oh yeah, Washington. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also get skin in the game with new same-game parlays, Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet just $5 on any NBA team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an authorized sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook 
For details, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I agree with you there. I think that, uh, you know, as long as they keep the same approach of being very aggressive, having a lot of energy on defense, they're going to keep, um, they're going to stay probably within the top 10 of these categories, even by, even by the end of the year. Uh, and then where are they bottom team, bottom 10, 10, where are they struggling on defense? Uh, teams like that, that shot that you and I mentioned that the Spurs need to get to that restricted area shot that shot closest to the rims. Teams are getting there against them. And again, a lot of this data was before Pirtle was even out, um, you know, due to health and safety protocols. So right now they're 26 and allowing opponents to get to the best shot in the, in, in the, in a game, which is the restricted area. They are um, they're they're dead last in, in forcing opponents to, to take the, the fewest amount of floaters. So basically, their opponents are, don't even have to take the floaters because they're either getting right to the rim or, or they're probably getting threes against them. So again, they're they're not having any kind of um, sway in, in the opponent's decision to take those floaters, those really bad shots. They're thirtieth there. Um, they are twenty ninth in opponents' points in the paint scoring, and then they're also um uh, uh, they're they're twenty um, third in, in opponent mid range accuracy. Um, what what are your, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I believe Colin had that article that also mm-hmm. showed that they take more teams are taking more shots at the rim with Jakob on the floor than off the floor, mm-hmm. which which is kind of crazy to think about because Jakob is such a good rim protector and defensive presence. But the the issue is the guys around him. When you've got a bunch of six five guards, they can't really contain these bigger teams. Especially Dallas is huge, Milwaukee's huge, Los Angeles is huge, and that that's just making it easier for them to just attack these smaller guys. And go right at the basket. And then the problem is that if these, if the Spurs guards start closing out and trying to sell out on defending the rim, then you get kicked out to the three, and then that happens. And you know the, the issue of defending, especially around the corners, uh, the, above the break, that continues to keep happening. And I don't know if that's maybe that seems more like a, again roster construction issue than a philosophy a philosophy issue. But yeah, yeah, it's just it, it's kind of just crazy that how much worse is that going to get with Drew? You would hope maybe Zach Collins. You know, he's not really known as a defender, but once he comes back, do you put him out of four and kind of help Jakob out a little bit? There's still a lot of question marks to go there, and especially if they trade Thaddeus Young, then you just lost your your other power forward. So what do you do from there? Yeah, no, and, and you know, uh, Colin wrote, you know, in that piece's analysis, um, you know, one thing he wrote was that, you know, a lot of, they're they're playing right now a lot of teams that that attack the rim very aggressively. Somebody like like Russell Westbrook comes to mind. Somebody like like mm-hmm. um, you know, Luca players like that. Uh, but you know, when you go back to last season's data, even again with Jakob on the floor, they were actually again, this is last season that I'm just looking at it right now. They were 28th in allowing, um, you know, the most shots uh, near the rim at 29.4. So, so you know, it's kind of painting a picture of, of kind of, and they were 26 in, in opponent um, paints uh, points in the paint. So it's kind of set up to be a very similar year again early on in this early uh, data so, so you, you got you, they got to hope that i think that a lot of it has to do with the small ball lineups that yes they have Jakob on the floor but kind of what we saw with indiana is if they if a team can pull Jakob away from the rim just for a bit um you know there, there's just like you said nothing but six five guards there to, to protect the rest of the floor and it's and it's very tough for san antonio's defense so that's a little uh concerning as the year does progress and especially initially with Jakob missing a bunch of games here um, um due to health and safety protocols now let's just go through a few of the spurs players um you know the players that are Averaging over double figures for for this team, uh, and I, I have rounded all the stats, so, so I'm not going to go into the points. Uh, you know, like like the 17.9 or whatever. Um, so so Dejan, yeah, so Dejounte Murray is right now the team leader in scoring, 18 points per game on 17 shots. Uh, he is he has increased his three point volume. He's taking about four uh, three point attempts per game. He's up to 35, percent which again isn't great, but it's also at least um, over a point per shot. So he's getting way more value out of these threes than he is when he takes those those, those mid rangers. Uh, he's also averaging eight rebounds, eight assists, two turnovers, and two steals. Um, 
He's kind of shown himself to be his, the, the go-to player here now in the fourth whenever they get in some of these close game situations. Uh, and, uh, and then he's also, when he does get those wide open threes, he's making 50% of them. And he's, uh, you know, he's uh, across the board on defense. He's, he's a leader in a few categories here, deflections, steals, defensive rebounds. Uh, and, and then um, I've also noted uh, noticed that when I look at the matchups after each game, more teams are starting to put their best defenders on Murray. So basically, I think that they're seeing that he's their, the, the biggest offensive threat for the Spurs um, when, when you look at uh, who, who, who teams are going to guard. Do you have any comments on Murray? Uh, uh, it seems like his shot was kind of struggling to start the season, and that seems like it's kind of rounded itself out. I'm, I'm glad to see how much he's actually progressed. I would just hope that he's not the team's second-leading rebounder. I know that's kind of like he loves being able to board, you get boards and stuff like that, but for the team's sake, I would like him a little bit more kind of just up the floor, uh, putting a little more pressure on the defense and mm-hmm. having someone else but you know, back and crashing the glass. And I, I will get to him in a little bit, but also – I wonder how much of him being the primary ball handler and now growing into that role has it been a been a little bit of a detriment to Derek White. No, I think that, I think that's going to be key here. Yeah, I, th- I think that there's something there, especially when when we get to the cl- the, the crunch numbers, the cr- the clutch time numbers. Um, let's move on to Keldon. He's the second leading scorer on the team right now with 15 points per game points per game on 14 shots. Um, he's shooting 14 percent from three on, on three attempts a night. Uh, he's he's getting to the he's getting to the free throw. I think the, the free throw line the most on the team with four free throw attempts per game, five rebounds, two assists, two turnovers, and one steal. Um, what I noted here was that. I mean, teams are leaving him wide open. 69% of his, his threes are, are, are attempted wide open. He's the team leader in that category, and he's just one of 14 on wide open threes. So I know he's off to a bad start from three, because even last year on wide open threes, he at least shot 34% from three, but right now he's one of 14. Um, you know, uh, you know the defense numbers aren't great, but he's at least increased his activity in things like deflections and steals uh, better than what he was doing last year. And then one thing I did note, though, is that I know that he plays a four pretty much for this team at this point, but teams are able to basically hide their bigs on him where we're, we're on when, when the team when the other team is on on um, on defense they're basically putting their bigs on Kelton because all the big has to do is basically stay around the rim and try to prevent his drives and then they're okay because they know that they can just um you know step off uh, step away from him from the three-point line you have any thoughts on Kelton yeah they need to, the Spurs need to try to find the hide him in the corner because that, that's the only way that this is going to be able to work out if you're going to have the other team putting a four or five mm-hmm. you know right there at the at the free throw line and sealing off half the floor that's going to be a big problem going forward and you know, 15 points per game on 14 shots is not great. It, that's that's not really efficient at all. I know he's really mm-hmm. – he seems like he's regressed not only shooting-wise but just how he kind of draws contact. And the way the rules have changed with the NBA, he's not going to be able to just get foul shots or anything like that constantly. So try to hide him in the corner maybe, that Bruce Bowen roll uh, on offense. That would kind of help him out and at least open up the floor elsewhere. Uh, but he's also such a huge part of the offense, though, because of how active he is. Mm-hmm. And his ability to be so physical that you can't just, you know, stick him in a corner. So he's he's kind of interesting to watch. And hopefully the shooting numbers will kind of change. And maybe that'll help this out the Spurs a little bit. But especially, you know, not having McDermott in that lineup, then you don't really have anyone that can threaten to spread the floor. And that just hurts everyone even more. But Keldon, Keldon needs to figure it out somehow. You know, the problem with him is just you can't just constantly body people. Exactly. And, and he mm-hmm. needs to learn that. He needs to be able to, you know, pick his spots a little bit better. 
Yeah, and again, when you look at like the drives, I mean, he's the team leader in terms of like when when he makes that decision, am I going to pass the ball or drive it or get like try to get to the free throw? And he's always he's always number one in terms of taking a shot basically whenever yeah. he makes that that drive. And I think yeah, and I also I almost feel like when you watch tape, I mean, it feels like after these last two weeks, teams have started to kind of shift back to that way they were guarding him last year, where they were basically saying here take any three you want, and then they're going to try to you know prevent his drives as much as possible because I feel like early on they, they weren't quite ready for that, and he was and he was one of the team leaders. And now he also started off with a really good shooting numbers, and you know those floaters that he was making early on those mid-rangers you know turn around mid-rangers those have those have started to fall off here and so i really feel like teams are now kind of guarding him a little bit similar to how they were last year and so it's it's really tough for him to kind of get into a game and we saw him finally get into the game against the mavs when he had um, 14 of his points 14 of his 16 points of the paint but again it, it's just it's it's not a it's not a consistent thing he can he can keep doing um, um early on because of the, i think the way that the defense is guarding him uh let's move on to Derek white 14 points per game on 11 shots uh he's shooting 35 percent from three on five attempts per night uh he He's getting three, three, three free throw attempts tonight. Um, three rebounds, six assists, two turnovers, one steal, one block. Um, you know, uh, he, he, Dejounte, and Lonnie Walker, who we'll talk about it here in a bit, are kind of making similar decisions in terms of their driving numbers. You know, whether to pass at this time or, or to sh- or to shoot or get or try to get to the free throw line. Um, and you know, he's one of the, the team leaders on defense in terms of contested shots for a guard and defensive field goal percentage really pop out on, on the stat sheet as well as um, on blocks for a guard. But I think you had a great comment there earlier where you know with, with Dejounte being more that 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 focal point, uh, it, it's kind of hard for for White to kind of pick and choose when he when he's going to be aggressive or not, and, and we kind of see that in, in some of the crunch time numbers yeah I, i'm i'm curious to see if there's at any point that the spurs kind of shift Derek white to the six-man role because uh, not not only would it help lonnie to be in the starting lineup but Derek just doesn't seem like he's that engaged on offense when he doesn't have the ball you know this is a guy going back to college who was a primary shot creator he always had the ball in his hands when he was in austin and then leading that team to a championship always had the ball in his hands could go nuclear just score 18 straight you know at a drop of a hat and now he's playing a little bit more off ball DJ is a really good distributor, a really good driver, and now he's added the shooting to it. But it, it seems like it's come at the detriment of Derek White. And granted, the defensive numbers make it hard to bench him, but Derek's not not an excellent shooter. He's kind of regressed in that mark. And then just the fact that these guys are all kind of driving and doing the same kind of stuff around the rim and stuff doesn't help the team. Mm-hmm. It, that bench unit needs a little bit more of a punch. Um, you know, I think we kind of figured that would be Lonnie, but maybe that combo of Derek and, and uh, Devin Vassell would kind of work out a little bit better long term for the Spurs. Okay, that's interesting. That's something to watch. See, I've always felt like almost like it, because of the spacing issue, I always I almost wondered if if Kelton should be the player who goes to the bench. But but I think you're you're right in terms of like letting Derek do more on offense, and I think that's why Pop initially tried to stagger he, he and he and Murray to kind of give them the ball in their hands and try to do a little bit more, especially with Trey Jones out early on in the preseason. But that's kind of something to watch. You know, we'll see if, if they make a lineup change. I still think that Pop's going to go over you know defense over everything. So I think that as long as For he sure. has as De- as long as Derek and Dejounte are a really good tandem, and they are, they have shown to be a, a good tandem defensively. Uh, you know, where where offensive players are just not having a fun night when, when those two players are constantly guarding them and switching and everything like that. So again, we'll kind of see what happens to White um, uh, going forward. Uh, we're not going to go deep uh, deep into Pirtle uh, analysis because he you know he is out right now. We don't know how many games, but he's going to be out for quite a few games. Just We'll just note that, yes, he is averaging 40 points per game uh, on 10 shot attempts and 10 rebounds, 3 assists, 2, two turnovers, 1 block. And, he, and he's been really showing uh, that ability to get o- over like like multiple games now with the over um, 10 points in the paint. And that's that's a strong um, you know, a key to his scoring. Let's move on to Devin Vassell. Um, 12 points per game on 10 shots, 37% shooting from three on five attempts, four rebounds, two assists, one turnover, and one steal. Uh, and he's really shooting, um, you know, it's, it's early again, it's a small sample size, but he's shooting very efficiently right now on those like short jumpers. He's not really, he doesn't, he, he, he's the kind of player who doesn't do uh, floaters. Instead, he actually takes jump shots in the paint. And then his also his mid range uh, game is looking pretty good here. Any comments on Vassell? 
I, that was my breakout player for this season when we did the Spurs Rewind mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago, man. He, he's he got that mid-range, that, mm-hmm. that very strong Kawhi kind of Kobe fadeaway. And yep. I think the thing with him is just consistency at this point, and especially if you can get him consistent minutes, consistent looks. And that's why I kind of lean back to like maybe shifting Derek White into that Manu role where he's the playmaker and the primary ball handler mm-hmm. because – that would put more pressure on the defense and leave Devin open for those threes, but also be, let him spread the floor a little bit more and attack. And if, if that kind of helps him grow his game and turn into <laughs> my dream scenarios where having him into that Jason Tatum role, then great. But uh, I've, I've been impressed with him so far. It's just consistency on his end. Yeah, I had, I you know, basically, I, you know, I, I didn't pick a breakout player, but he would be the player that I, w- I would say that, that I think is going to have the best year that, that can really take a, another leap forward uh, this coming season. And I saw I noticed that just in summer league, that just the fact that he was able to kind of create off the pick and roll and um, get, get to his spot like he could basically get to a spot whenever he needed to um, in the half court. And that's something that a lot of these players do struggle with. And then also a comment that in preseason that, that Drew Eubanks had made basically he, he you know, when Drew Eubanks was asked, you know, who, who so far had like the best training camp, he said Devin Vassell. He's like, anytime he comes off the screen, like we don't know what to do. With him like you know and the fact that he could say that about one player uh, on the team and not not everybody else you know I think that that showed that you know Devin was a, was already a problem for them and again see that's the thing is like you know when Kelton was showing was shooting you know in those first four games he was shooting some really high numbers um, accuracy wise from mid range and the floater but I was like I, I don't know if that's sustainable I just don't see it from his just the way his, his shot formation is and the fact that he struggles from three whereas Devin when he's doing this I'm like wait a minute you know this is a guy who can really shoot from three who has really good form on his jump shot I feel like the, you know he might actually be able to, to do that and have that in between game and, he, and again it's early on but he is showing that and I, I again I, I honestly think that maybe down the road here maybe he should be the player who, who ends up starting and you know somebody going to the bench because he's going to give you uh you know both that player who can go inside but also play um you know shoot the three well and then also um you know play defense and he's a long defender uh, for the team so yeah i think we both agree that devin could could definitely be one of those breakout players for this team uh but uh, one thing you you did comment on and i want to make sure to say uh, as well is yeah just like the fact that consistency part there there were some games here where he was like at, he only had like four points it's like you forget that he's on the floor at times but um yeah. you know he, coming off that dallas game he looked he looked very strong there and the last player here is um lonnie walker the fourth um, also with 12 points per game on 10 shots he's shooting 34% something that John noted earlier where he's struggling right now with his 3 point shot we, we know he's able to shoot better from 3 on 6 attempts per game the team leader in attempts uh, 3 rebounds 3 assists he has increased his playmaking ability and 2 turnovers um, and again very similar to Kelton you know his his numbers don't pop off the page but compared to last season Lonnie is a, little, a lot more active in, in deflections and steals um, and then also contested shots and things like that um, and then like I mentioned he's increased his playmaking you have any, you have any comments on Lonnie? I, I like what I've seen from him. Uh, I, I don't know if it's enough to, to keep him long-term, uh, and I know this is the really early going when it comes to saying that, but I, I would just love to see more aggression. There, it, there still seems like yep. have, he has a lot of mental moments where he's just not there and not engaged. And the shooting, I, I'm not worried about the shooting because there's, there's a lot of good looks, and they'll come and go, and especially someone as athletic as him, he seems like he doesn't have a consistent shooting motion to have that consistency of a good shooter, that he's always off balance or he's always maybe kind of rushing his shot or jumping a little too much, and, and that hurts him. But as, as, I just want him more engaged. He's already proven that a little, on the defensive end he can be a menace. He can do a little bit more and be like on ball, a good on-ball defender, play passing lanes well. He's shown the playmaking. He's shown the smart decision-making. It's just engagement. You need to be there the entire time you're on the floor because the moment he has a mental lapse, if you if you have him having a mental lapse and just being disengaged and Keldon's not being able to contribute the way he is, 
then the whole offense comes down to Jakob and DeJounte with a little bit of Derek White or whoever may be on the floor at that time. And that's not good for this team, and that's not good for their development. Yeah, I would just say, you know, we're seeing a very basically like a, a similar pattern to last year early on, like where it's like, um, you know, he has like a 20 point night, then he has a, a then he has like a, a like a six point night and then, you know, a 10 point night and then a four point night. And, you know, it's just those those kind of things. It's like, where where is the consistency? And, you know, and, he, and the reason why you, you asked that of him is because, like you mentioned, John, he has so much potential. The way he's able to like sometimes he makes it look almost so easy how he gets to the rim, like just like almost like just like walking to the rim at times. And, and the, yeah. he really throws the defense off off balance and, and he's able to do these things or sometimes, you know, he's making step back three or between the leg threes and it's just like and you see you see those kind of plays and you're like but well, where is that the entire game so so again i know that he's been making his assists have definitely gone up um here early on in the year but but again it's just like like you said you know you know if, what, what i've kind of said here on the spurs cast is like you know this is his his, his season this is his, his make or break season for himself you know because because you know a lot of teams are only going to have that nine million dollar uh, mid-level exception to offer him in restricted free agency next year and and if he wants to get a bigger offer than that well then he has to show you know he has to he has to be that player who pops out uh, from this team and he's getting the opportunity it's just that like you mentioned johnny it's just you know where's that consistency so we'll kind of see go ahead the other thing with him too is like he's one of the better free throw shooters on this team and he's mm-hmm. only attempting like two a game like i, kn- I know that he's not going to get every call because he's lonnie walker he's not trey young he's mm-hmm. not damian lillard but attack more I-, I know he's out of control his attack but if he can develop that consistent attack get those points at the line well i'll overlook all the bad shots if you can get to the line and earn your points that way that's the- that's a way to contribute positively and he just doesn't really do it a lot yeah, so again, we'll kind of see what happens with Lonnie. And again, this is like this is this is his season now to, to figure out, you know, you know how how is it, is he when when free agency begins, you know, what 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 kind of um you know um um uh, resume is he bringing to to the table here? And it, it's his it's it's kind of like an open field here for him. And and I think we see a little bit of this with Lonnie because based on um what, what we're about to go to, to in here is uh, Coach Pop's crunch time numbers. Uh, so now let's look at one of the biggest um you know early on um reasons why this team is two and six, and this is basically that they're in all of these games, but they're just they're having a, a a lot of tough times on, on both ends just executing and, and you know getting shots to go in down the stretch and this is kind of something we kind of saw that was going to happen to this team because they are all young players there's no like go-to player who, a veteran there DeMar DeRozan's not there who they would put the ball in his hands and, and go to him and so we're kind of seeing that in, in this early on um, data so we do know that when we look at clutch time situations which are the last five minutes of a game with the Spurs ahead or behind by five points, they are they have played in six of those games, which is the second most, um, you know, right now in the NBA, they've played in the, the second most clutch clutch games. They are one in five in these situations. Again, one in five in these situations. Um, they're uh, they're getting two point three free two point three free throw attempts at these times, and the kind of what John noted, they really struggle down the stretch here. They're shooting twenty nine percent as a team in these situations. Um, they're twentieth on offense in these situations, scoring zero point nine two three points per possession. So they so they are struggling. Um, on, on offense uh, uh, in these situations, and um, only the the Pelicans um, are, are worse in the in, who uh, amongst teams who have played um, in five clutch games. They're zero and five. And we look at specific players. You, you really look at who Pop is kind of trusting early on. He's had Dejounte Murray and Derek White in all of these games. Um, he's had uh, Kelton in five of the games. He's only held him out of one of them. And then also he had, he's had Perto in five, and that Dallas one would have been the sixth one, but Perto had to miss the sixth one because he's out. And then he's also gone to Devin Vassell. Um, Vassell's played in four of the games. The players that have not got that much time in these clutch situations are, are Lonnie, who we mentioned earlier. He's only played in two of these situations. And then Doug McDermott has played in three, but again, mainly because he, he was hurt. Um 
what the players are showing in these situations. DeJounte is their go-to player, like we, like we mentioned. He's shooting 6 of 14, 43%. Um, he's been to the line uh, six times. He's made three of his free throws. He, he doesn't have any turnovers. That's, that's a good thing for him. Um, and, and weirdly, his, his points per possession is, is actually increased compared to a, a normal game situation. So right now, data-wise, the, the numbers do say go to give the ball to DeJounte Murray amongst these players. Uh, Keldon's been uh, in five games, like I mentioned. He's shooting 2 of 6, 33% from the floor. He has one turnover. He's 0 of 2 from the free throw line in these situations. Um, Jakob Pertle is 3 of 5, 60% shooting, uh, 1 of 4 from the free throw line as well. Derek White, and this is a uh, this is what you mentioned, John, why I wanted to talk about Derek White. He's only 1 of 3 in terms of, sh- of shot attempts. He has 0 turnovers. And, and he was actually one of the stronger players uh, behind DeRozan last year in clutch situations. And so it's, it's surprising to me that they're not even, you know, he's not really getting that many attempts or, or possessions with the ball. And then lastly, Vassell's um, 0 of 3 um, in, in clutch situations, and he's 0 of 2 from the free throw line, and he has 1 turnover. Um, so do you have any, any um, thoughts on, on these late-game situations? situations so far yeah and, and we can look at the pelicans like the only reason they're worse is because they already know who their post game you know their yeah. game option is it's brandon ingram you know zion's hurt they don't they lost lonzo in the offseason they don't have anyone else you're not going to turn to steven adams for a bucket down the stretch mm-hmm. uh Dejounte's lethality is kind of limited to the guys around him which is a problem yeah and i'm kind of curious as to why mcdermott isn't on there because you would assume you just look at the Spurs' history. They've always had some kind of a shooter on the floor, whether it's mm-hmm. going back to Steve Kerr or Roger Mason, whoever it may be. You, you want someone to actually be able to be out there and spread the floor. And it, just looking at Derek White, man, the, I, I kind of wonder if they, don't, if they don't ever think about maybe having him as a primary ball handler every once in a while. Like I know people, especially Derek White, would probably say, hey, I want the ball in DJ's hands because he's the point guard. But at, at some point, you've got to have that two-headed monster there. Like you, You've got to have... No matter how many times Manu was on the bench, Manu was still in there post game. Yeah, you know, a late game situation, being able to close out. Even if they told Tony go stand on the side, give the ball to Manu, give the ball mm-hmm. to Derek, let him be at the top of the key, let him try to create something because that's going to be where he's at his best. Standing on the side and watching DJ create or trying to run some kind of backdoor flares or anything like that, it's not going to always work for Derek. Especially the shooting numbers aren't there for him to be playing off ball. So it, it, it's good for DJ because he's that's definitely his future. Uh, Devin, we'll worry about Devin Vassell later because, you know, th- that yeah. just comes with experience. Mm-hmm. But it, it, the other guys, that's what you really got to worry about because it's it's going to come down to a close game and it's DeJounte or Jakob and that's it. Yeah, and and so um, you know, I, again, I think that Derek can be that player. So I'm really e- I'm eager to see if, if you know once we get a few more games here, ten to fifteen more games in these situations, if if they do let Derek do a little bit more and, and not just go solely to Dejounte. Because like I said, he, statistically speaking, you know, he actually was one of the top players that they went to, and he actually had pretty good numbers um behind DeRozan last year in in these situations. So so again, they're not they're not going to him right now. I know that a lot of the players have basically said that that they're putting this you know um in, in Murray's hands right now, and then even you know even Pop is saying you know there's not one guy that we're going to, but it, it's turning out to be Murray early on. So again, we'll kind of see. This is going to be something you know Spurs Spurs fans are going to, have to basically uh, um, go through. Is, is, I mean, uh, you know, uh, you know, it's going to be frustrating, but this is going to be probably be the, the biggest um, hindrance for this team and uh, this team's success is is getting that that go to player. Um, you know, they just don't have that player right now on, on this roster, and so that's where that's where teams as long if they're not blowing somebody out in a game, well, then it's going to get very tough for them uh, going down the stretch because we as we see here, they're one in five in, in these types of situations. This is kind of what what all their losses do come down to. Um, so don't forget to visit Spurs, uh, ProjectSpurs.com, SpursCast listeners. We have a lot going on now that the season has officially started. Um, you know, Jonas Clark, uh, the, the Austin Spurs are about to uh, start here. Uh, he, he has his latest piece called The Austin Spurs Open the 17th Season on Friday with New and Familiar Faces Alike. Uh, we know that Josh Primo and Joe Wieskamp have both been called up to Austin for this game. Um, 
Colin Reed, that 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 piece that John and I both referenced, his latest analysis is called "Are the Spurs' Early Season Defensive Struggles a Fluke?" So look, look into Colin's insights for that. Uh, Benjamin Bornstein's, of course, getting ready for the draft. Uh, his latest piece is called "Prospects on Parade: Three College Teams with Lots of Potential Draftees." And then. Um, uh, Evan Townsend had a piece uh, um, earlier last week, uh, or it might have been earlier this week, called The Argument About Sending Josh Primo to the G League Ends Here. So again, that's by Evan Townsend. Thanks to John for joining me here on the Spurs cast and to Michael DeLeon for mixing and producing this episode. From all of us at Project Spurs, stay safe and have a great day. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.